Welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gone. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news and wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly, Michelin buys wine publication The Wine Advocate. Thousands of fake Penfolds bottles seized in Cambodia. Amazon launches wine range in Germany. And as ever, our wine of the week. So to start with, we have our week in wine. And what did we do this week, Katie? Well, this past week, we made the annual pilgrimage to Chico, California, where my family is from and remains the gathering place for my rather large family for the holidays. Uh, As always, uh, I was in charge of the green bean casserole, and we were tasked with the sometimes challenging endeavor of keeping everyone well hydrated during the prep and, of course, during the meal. So that meant lots of champagne and rosé. We had magnums of Frank Bonville Blanc de Blanc 2012, which was a hit. Absolutely superb. mm, And that magnum went very quickly. It did. And of the Provençal rosé, Tiburen Clos Sibon, 2017. And that was a magnum too. It was delicious. Uh, for the meal, we kept it local with California wine. Uh, we had a 2016 Fox and Chardonnay from Biennacido Vineyard and a stellar red, our wine of the week, which we will discuss at the end of the episode. Following the meal, there was a skit performed by my nieces and nephews, and our podcast made the cut, as I mentioned, during the performance, didn't it, Matthew? It did. I'm not sure it was entirely uh, flattering, mostly childish satire, but quite amusing that they were aware of our podcast. Yes, happy to know that at least we have my nine-year-old nephew as a loyal listener. And as we discussed with our Wine of the Week, it was great fun pairing all these different wines with the food of Thanksgiving, which is quite rich and um, full of flavour. So it goes with lots of different wines and having magnums open and interesting rosés, champagne, just added to the festivities and fun. And now on with the news. Michelin announced this week that it had attained 100% ownership of The Wine Advocate, having acquired a 40% stake in 2017. The Wine Advocate was founded by Robert Parker and has been a highly influential U.S.-based wine publication since the 1980s, with a 100-point score system dominating consumer perceptions of wine especially in the USA. Michelin, of course, own the Michelin Guide, another prestigious and influential publication in the restaurant business. Michelin announced its takeover of the wine advocate as a natural progression, bringing together rather than separating the worlds of wine and food reviews, stating that for far too long, critics have divided wine and food into two separate areas of expertise. But now the most realistic blend of impartial, independent, unbiased, intelligent food and wine opinion and wisdom have been married for the benefit of both wine and food consumers. The partnership between Michelin, the global reference in gourmet dining with the Michelin Guide, and Robert Parker Wine Advocate, the world leader in wine tasting and rating, will enable our customers who enjoy upscale restaurants and fine vintage wines to experience unique moments. Well, this all sounds fantastic, doesn't it? It's interesting, though, given the current view towards wine ratings, um, that they are actually losing ground when it comes to their influence over and relevance to consumer buying decisions. But perhaps this sentiment that many professionals in the industry share isn't really holding true among actual consumers. After all, it has been voiced quite frequently over the past couple of years, and yet we still see scoring pubs like The Wine Advocate and Wine Spectator going strong. So maybe something like this partnership with Michelin could give wine scores more clout than ever. Maybe. 
um, it is definitely interesting that Michelin and the Michelin Guide are investing in the wine advocate for the reasons you've stated. Um, I do think, unfortunately, wine scholars still are influential. Michelin have stated that they're going to concentrate their initial investment in the US and Asia rather than Europe, because the US and Asia are much more um, influenced by wine scores than in Europe, and so Michelin have obviously researched their market. And combining the Wine Advocate and Michelin, I think, will make both publications stronger, but particularly the Wine Advocate, the Michelin Guide is still extremely relevant, extremely influential, and a lot of restaurants work very hard to get in the Michelin Guide. It is um, a badge of honour. And so associating that with the Wine Advocate and the scores that Wine Advocate gives will probably make the wines even more um, prestigious. Yeah, well, I'm all for anything that brings um, food and wine together and promotes uh, the pairing and gets consumers thinking about how they can put those things together. And what Michelin are stressing is that they're uh, thinking about wine in the context of food rather than in isolation. I do think that's important. That's part of the global trends that food and wine go together. So hopefully it will um, increase people's thinking about um, what food to pair with what wine. Police in the Cambodian city of Poi Pet this week raided an established wine wholesaler and seized 3,000 bottles of fake wine, including wines labelled as Penfolds, as well as wine labels and boxes. Three men were arrested, and subsequent raids found fake bottles of Johnny Walker and Ballantine's whiskey. The Penfolds bottles, labels and packaging were for the different bins that the Australian producer is so famous for. Labels included bins 28707, 128, 407 and 389. Treasury Wine Estates, who own Penfolds, have been taking wine fraud very seriously, particularly as Penfolds is so popular in Asia an emerging market where fraudsters have taken advantage of consumer familiarity with renowned brands. The successful raid in Cambodia perhaps indicates that police and governing bodies in Asian countries are beginning to take wine fraud seriously. Do you have any experience with wine fraud, Katie? Well, I do. I remember in my days working with Domaine de la Romani Conti, uh, we had to be very careful tracking each bottle shipped to the U.S. And whenever we held events where the wines were poured, we were there with uh, Sharpies blacking out the labels uh, before being tossed into the recycling bin. So, of course, in Asian markets, they are so far away and it must be very difficult to discourage wine fraud. So what sort of steps has Treasury Wine Estates taken to counter the issue? Yes, I was reading another article on uh, drinksbusiness.com, a site well worth visiting for all the uh, wine news and uh, drinks news in general. And they were reporting that earlier this year, Treasury Wine Estates won a lawsuit uh, against a a label called Rush Rich, made by a Chinese wine company that um, bought bulk wine from South Australia and then marketed it in bottles very, very similar to Penfolds. And so Treasury argued that it's an infringement on their copyrights and they won that case. So again, going back to Penfolds, either um, counterfeiters just simply uh, faking the wine or making wine that or making wine labels that look very, very similar. And so Treasury is making sure that Penfolds maintains its integrity. And we've heard a lot about wine fraud in China with um, people importing wine from Languedoc and labelling it as uh, first growth Bordeaux, but clearly it's um, a problem in other countries in Asia, and it's very important that these uh, producers do follow up on that to maintain the integrity of their brands. Well, Amazon has finally done it. 
launched its own range of wines in Germany, continuing its long-standing attempts to break into the drinks business. The label is called Compass Road, with the range including Pinot Grigio, Chardonnay, a rosé from Grenache, Riesling, Dornfelder, and Merlot. They retail at a discounted price of 15 euros for six bottles, just two euros 50 a bottle, although there is no mix and match option. The Riesling and Dornfelder are labeled as coming from Rheinhessen, the Pinot Grigio from the Garda DOC, while the Chardonnay, Grenache, and Merlot are all labeled Vin de France. This launch follows several forays into wine retail, with Amazon Wine starting in 2012, but abandoned in 2017. Amazon also acquired Whole Foods in 2017 as part of its investments into food and drink. This is a very quiet launch for Amazon um, in Germany, and the the label Compass Road doesn't really um, indicate that it's made by Amazon, though it does state that on the Amazon.de site. So it'll be interesting to see whether this is successful and what it leads to. Yes, well, private label in the wine industry is booming all over the globe, so it seems like a miss for Amazon not to continue trying to find a space on the bandwagon. And of course, as they've done in the past, if the wines don't sell, then they will scrap the program altogether. But if it's successful, it could expand to other countries throughout the EU. Uh, But I'm hesitant to make any predictions about what possibilities they have in the USA. They've hit many obstacles in the past, and with the three-tier system still alive and well, they'll have to invest substantial time and resources to get around it. Yeah, it's astonishing that that a company as big and successful as Amazon has struggled so much within the wine industry and the drinks industry in general, but particularly wine. They've tried pretty hard to get a foothold in the industry. And you think with the rising online retail sales that Amazon would be a natural fit. But there doesn't seem to be that much of an understanding of wine within Amazon. And maybe that's the reason they haven't been successful. And these wines are really, really cheap. They um, latch on to current trends with Pinot Grigio, Rosé, Riesling in Germany, Merlot. But um, at that price, it's really encouraging uh, consumers to investigate and to experiment and to really buy into the brand. Yeah, and on another note, we have Naked Wines, really, uh, you know, another online wine retailer, uh, really trying to focus on the U.S. market. And it'll be interesting to see what they come up with. And obviously, knowing the wine industry, that being their uh, their primary focus, seeing what kind of successes they have in the U.S. after being immensely successful in other parts of the world, um, and whether Amazon might learn something from that. Perhaps maybe the conclusion is that wine knowledge is key. Or at least understanding wine laws. And now for our wine of the week, which is Matthew. Well, it's a syrup from a producer called Alcon. Here in California, Mendocino, and 2017 vintage. And we had it this week. As Katie mentioned at the beginning of the pod, we were celebrating Thanksgiving, visiting Katie's family in Chico. And of course, there was lots of food for us to enjoy. And we brought plenty of wine that we've already mentioned to help us appreciate the food and the festivities even more. And in fact, I was reading this week that Nielsen, a leading researcher into wine sales and trends, this week stated that Thanksgiving is the biggest retail opportunity of the year in the USA for the wine industry, with consumers most likely not only to buy wine during Thanksgiving week, but also to buy more expensive wine. So is this before Thanksgiving wines for Thanksgiving or is this Black Friday? 
Nothing to do with Black Friday because people are buying more expensive wines. So it's uh, leading up to Thanksgiving in restaurants. Uh, people are trading up because they're celebrating and having a good time. And of course, the food bearings are very important too. So coincidentally or not, Katie's family certainly drinks more expensive wine than usual when we visit for Thanksgiving and other holidays. They're very good at that. They are. They don't necessarily buy expensive wine, but they're very good at drinking it. And it's always interesting to see which wines will be a hit and which won't. This Thanksgiving, the winner was unanimous, and it was this Mendocina Syrah by Alcon. The reaction was immediate. Everyone around the room looking up as soon as they tasted it and asking, what is this? It's amazing. Alcon, which means falcon in Spanish, started as a side project by British couple Paul and Jackie Gordon, who moved to California in the late 1990s to work in the tech industry. And Paul was actually born and raised a 20-minute drive away from me in the city of Preston, while uh, Jackie's from the other side of the country in Middlesbrough on the North Sea coast. And they're a quiet, unassuming couple, belying the fact that these are spectacular and extremely sophisticated wines that deserve more attention than they receive. The wines all come from Mendocino, and they include an excellent Pinot Noir, a serious Petite Syrah, a superb GSM blend, and then this Syrah, which we had this week. Uh, Mendocino has a cooler climate than most of the rest of California's wine-producing regions, and the Syrah has a noticeable pepperiness as well as a lean elegance. An outstanding wine in its own right, it also paired perfectly with all the rich food we were eating. Proof that California can make world-class wine from Rhone varieties, and in fact should be doing so more often. I have to admit, I was blown away by this wine as well. I hadn't tasted it before, and I wish I could take credit for being the one to bring it to Thanksgiving dinner. But where did you find it, Matthew? Well, I used to work at a wine shop in Napa called Backroom Wines, and they've been a regular feature at that shop before I started working there. But Jackie came in about 18 months ago to give us a tasting on the wines, and I was surprised and impressed by just how good they are. They only retail for about $30, which in California terms isn't that much, because they really could be retailing for $60 or $70 at least. The Pinot Noir that they make is from Oppenlander Vineyard, and some producers who make wine from that vineyard do retail, do uh, charge $60 for their wines, and they only charge $30. So they should be charging more, and they should be making more of a fuss about their wines, because they really are extremely good. So are they making it at a custom crush? I don't think they have a winery of their own, do they? The, the winery is in um, Yorkville Highlands, which is uh, really high up, high altitude, and in Mendocino, so that's where that cool influence is coming from. Well, maybe we should plan a visit soon. Cheers to that! So that's it for Wind Up Weekly this week. Thank you for listening. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gorn. Join us next week for another Wind Up. Cheerio! Cheerio!